you know, what's funny is I don't know what's normal. I don't know. Like I'm like, well, people tell me it's normal to be sad, but how sad? And if I'm happy at one moment, does that mean I'm okay? You know, because there would be days where I'm like, I'm fine. And then there would be days where I just, I wasn't. I was absolutely not fine. You're listening to The Milk Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome to MILF Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Tracy. This week on the show, we have Christina Grants, and it was such a treat to go to her home and sit in her backyard where the where the birds were chirping. It kind of felt like we were in a Disney movie. <laughs> and we talked about pole dancing. Christina was my first pole dancing teacher. I legitimately thought I was in love with her. And we also talk about crotchless panties. I hope you enjoy the episode. And thanks for listening. Hi, Christina. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. Well, to be I here. should say thank you for letting me be here because we're in Christina's beautiful Southern California backyard and it's there's little birds chirping and she has several fruit trees. Are those grapefruits or lemons? No, that's a lemon tree. That's a lemon tree. Those lemons yeah. are huge. They are gigantic and I don't know like how we made that possible, but wow. yes, they are huge. Wow. It's just so peaceful back here. Mm, thank you. Um there's so many things that I want to talk about with you today because I kind of worship you a little bit which is no secret. You know that. I want to start actually, because it's how I know you. I want to start with pole dancing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty delicious way to start. Yeah. Just to give our listeners a little bit of backstory. I started taking pole dancing about five years ago and Christina was my first teacher. I didn't know how disconnected I was from my own sexuality and my own, uh, what we call in our dance community, my erotic creature. And I say this often, and I've told this story before, but when Christina was my teacher, I was in the middle of kind of realizing my marriage wasn't working and I was a little lost. And then in on this discovery of like my body and my sexuality and, and through the movement of this dance form with, with women only. And I would come to class and watch Christina move and watch her teach us and watch her do the movements. And I, I really did think am I gay? <laughs> because I would, and I'm not, this is, I'm not being glib or anything. Like I really did because the way that I would watch you move and the way that you were so grounded in your body and your movement and your sexuality and your sensuality for yourself, not for the other women in the classroom, not for a man. It was just for you. And you were that model for me, the first model ever of that, of a woman truly embodying that in a deep, personal, rich way. And I really did. I remember telling a couple of friends, I was like, I think I'm in love with my dance teacher. <laughs> but ultimately, to, to spoiler alert, um, I was in love with you on a platonic level and we became very close friends. And I, that awakening helped me become in love with my own sexuality, my own body. But um, so tell me a little bit about how, how you came upon pole dancing. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I just have to say that I had the exact same experience with my first teacher. 
Really? Yes, I just remember watching her move and, I mean, just being speechless and yeah. just obsessed with her. Yes. And I took it with a friend and afterwards would be like, oh my God, and then when she did this, and then when she did that, yeah. you know, and so I think we all have that experience actually yeah. with our first teachers. Interesting. Um, but I got started, um, God, I don't even remember, it might be 11 years ago now, mm. and I had seen it on Oprah and I had seen Terry Hatcher on Oprah talking about it and she was doing what's called a hip circle and she was having so much fun and I remember my mom was actually watching it with me and she Aww. goes you should do that Christina your mom did she did I love that she totally did I know I don't think she even knew what she was sure. really sure she just thought it was fun but I was definitely so excited and I was so excited by whatever I thought she was feeling. It just seemed so juicy and fun. And, and um, I didn't actually end up taking class for a few more years, but I had looked it up. I had been on the website. I you know, had been like stalking it for a little while. And it wasn't until I went through like my first like real love breakup, mm. you know, that was just like this catalyst to change in my life mm. that it was the kind of propelling to go take a class and just do something that was going to be fun and make me feel good when I was feeling, you know, just at that time, mm. depths of despair. It's funny now because I say it and I'm like, oh God, what was I so upset about? Well, but how old were you? I mean, let's, <laughs> okay. let's put it in perspective. Yes, how old yes. were you? 20 Um I must have been 20, God, 23. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, everything is just. Of course. It's a different emotional a experience coaster. when yeah. you're that age. Yeah. 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 Not to minimize our 23 year old listeners, but no, we're no. just saying, like, it, things change and the and the, the weight of things shift. Yeah. As absolutely. You, as you mature, as you mature. Yeah. And you don't have the tools. Yeah. You just don't. Everything yeah. is life or death. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. So, you had a breakup, you find yourself in this class. Mm hmm. And, and then what happens? And then I remember the first time taking the class and just feeling like it was so right. Mm. Like I was moving my body and it was physically hard and I was tired, but I felt on fire. Mm. You know, I felt just juicy and alive and um, like the light switch had been turned on, mm. you know, and I would walk out of the class and you know, it'd be like 12 o'clock on a Monday in LA. And I'm like, who wants to do something? <laughs> I love that. I love that. We need a t-shirt. Yeah. Who wants to do something? Yeah. I was like, it's time to just, I don't know, let's get crazy. You know, I just felt like so plugged into life and empowered. empowered. You felt yeah. Empowered. I felt excited. I felt juicy. So that Define was. Define juicy for, for me and for our listeners. That That's such a great, I know what it means. Yeah. But for me at that time, because juicy has changed for me, but at that time it felt like um, anything could happen. Mm. Like, like you know, I, I was in a place of like, I'd say yes to anything. Like, mm. who wants to go drive across the country? Yes. Yeah. Who wants to just go have lunch and have a glass of wine in the yeah. middle of the day? Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you I know, something as simple as that should sure. be. But just feeling, um, you know, I think life can sometimes feel so heavy. And um, particularly, I guess I have more of a 
disposition towards that of feeling um, like bogged down and tired. And for me, like I felt excited about life. So Juicy felt like Mm. truly anything could happen. Mm. Mm. You know, so an excitement. Um, In my body, it just felt loose. There wasn't as much tension. Yeah. You know, um, it felt like walking through the grocery store and being excited about peaches, you know? Mm -hmm. Your sensories, all your senses were heightened and awakened in in a sober state of mind. Absolutely. And yet it was through this through this movement. And I, I also want to just touch on this because it came up yesterday. I ran into, speaking of the grocery store, I was in the grocery store, I ran into two girlfriends of mine. And one of them said, are you still pole dancing? And I said, I am. She said, I'm ready. I want to come. And she said to the other woman, you have to come too. And the other woman said, nope. I can't, it's not, it's too, I see it and I am happy for the women that it empowers, but it's too, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good to me. And what I was going to bring this back around to is that when cutting back to you at 23 in the classroom, I know for me, I was much older when I started, I was 38 when I started, but the reason I was able to tap into that safely was because it was all women. It had nothing to do with the male gaze other than in my mind's eye, if I wanted it to be. So can you speak to that a little bit about it just being a, femi- a female in, in this particular studio in any way, uh, if just a female? The way it's created is to, is very consciously created to create safety for women. And from every level of the moment you walk in, that we are creating a safe space for women. Um, because the body has to feel safe Mm. to open, to be vulnerable, to all of that. So when you walk in, you know, it's, it's meant to feel like you're coming into a spa, Mm. you know, and in the classroom, there are no mirrors. So you're not watching yourself from the outside in or trying to create some image of what sexy is, Mm. you know, we're creating the space where, well, what, what feels sexy to me rather Mm. than what looks sexy. I never even knew that. I always thought about sex, not just sex actually the act. I think like, I remember the first few times I had sex, like in college, and I was like, this feels okay, but I guess I'm supposed to whip my head around and moan because that's what I've seen in the movie. So I would do that, but it was coming from such an external place. It wasn't coming from this genuine yeah. place. And well, you had never been taught. So you were just been taught. recreating what from all the images. What does feel like? Yeah. yeah. No one had ever even asked me what makes you feel sexy or what it was like, I don't know what's supposed to make me feel sexy. I just didn't know. So I love that you say that. It's like creating it from an internal place. That's very, very, very personal. Uh, oh, yes. The journey is an individual personal experience. You know, we close our eyes, especially in the beginning. And it's done in a dark room, you know, so it, it's like you're in just in this womb type mm. space. So, and we sit in a circle together and, you know, that's to be in the original way women are meant to be in circles yeah. together. Yeah. Witnessing each other, yeah. holding gaze with each other and supporting each other. Mm. I think it's how we, um, we truly are, but we have been trained and um, contorted out of that. Mm. Um, to survive. Yes. Yeah, in this kind of very um, male or masculine-oriented world. Yeah, yeah. So 
you're 23, you're in this class, you're feeling juicy, you want to take on the world. Yeah. Yeah. What happens next? Well, the way our our classes are is we do levels. So I was in level one, and I think just pretty much by the second class, I was like, you know, and it was like one of those um, knowings. It wasn't like ego, like, I could teach this. Right. I can teach this. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is, I can do this. Yeah. Um, and I got approached by my teacher about halfway through level one, and she said they were doing a teacher training, and would I be interested in applying? You know, and I was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, you know, quite young, and I was adored her. So I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, anything. Um <laughs> So that's what happened, and I just kind of, um, it was one of those moments where life is just taking you, and you just go. Mm. Um, You make the choice to just go. So I said, okay, I'll do this. And uh, I I did the training, and I did the teacher training, and I I went into teaching within that, you know, six months of taking my first class. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's fast. It was fast. And it went from being a student journey to a teaching journey, because I think that's just the way it was meant to be for me was to go into uh, guiding other women in the classroom. You were having all of this as a student and as a teacher growth and discovery. How was that affecting you outside the classroom? What were you doing in your life? You were pursuing acting, I think. Okay, um, God, the way it changed my life has been layers upon layers upon layers. Mm. And so I would say one of the first things it gave me was healing, helping me to heal my relationship with women, which Mm. is funny, you know, like, you know, it is to feel sexy, but, and to feel empowered and to feel alive. But one of the greatest things I got was um, this community of women. Mm. And it's why people are um, obsessed particularly with S factor, I mm-hmm, believe is mm-hmm. because of the community mm-hmm. and it's why people stay for a decade and beyond yeah. because these women become your soul sisters and you can't find them anywhere else because it's the only place where women are truly supporting each other and seeing you from the inside out Yeah, and, um, excited for you and clapping for you and, and, and embracing your, sensuality and your sexuality and your emotionality. Yeah. So that is actually one of the biggest things I got in the beginning was um, having this community of women and remembering, oh, I want to be with women. Yeah. Why am I trying to be one with the boys? Yeah. I don't like them. (laughs) I mean, in a friendship level, because I'm like, oh, God, what are we talking about together? Right. Right. I'm so bored. I don't want to talk about sports. (laughs) I'm so bored. Yes. You know, um, uh, but, and, and it also gave me a voice. That's really what it did. Mm, tell me more about that. By sitting in that room and getting quiet, what we're doing is deeply listening to our body and deeply listening to the stories inside our body. Mm. By getting quiet and just breathing and feeling what it is my body had to say, I started to learn how I was actually feeling Mm. and what I was experiencing. And so it gave me a space to start to listen to how I felt. And, and that's, it was kind of huge because I was always, um, 
a good girl, mm. you know, and would acquiesce, mm. you know, and what do you want mm. kind of a thing. And so it was a space where I wasn't asking, well, what do you want? I was asking, well, what do I want? Mm. And that was a journey it took, and I'm still, you know, really refining that. Yeah. But it opened up a space where I could start to know my own impulses, my own instincts, my own intuition, because that all lives in the body. You know, and I think um, I had always been interested in how to tap into that, but none of these other ways, whether it's through a yoga practice or through um, a spiritual practice and even through acting, which is a creative spiritual practice in my opinion, mm -hmm. unlocked that for me the way moving my body in a really feminine, sensual, erotic way did. Mm. Um, it was the missing piece. Mm. Um, wow. That's yeah. That's so beautiful. I could just, I could listen to you talk for hours and almost just fall asleep to the sound <laughs> of your voice. It's so soothing. Um, just like your baby boy's doing inside right now. We'll get to that in a minute, but, um, so, wow. Okay. So you have all of this like for yourself, which is, I think, so key because for me at that age and in those years, it, I just, there was some, this looking for, I'm going to get to, what I'm trying to get to is you're meeting your husband, your now husband who was, you know, um, so that when you met him, you had already done all this deep work on like nourishing yourself in this way. So what was that like when you met? And I know you guys weren't like together right away. I remember you telling me it wasn't like love at first sight or, or what well, it was for him. It was for him. It but was you for were him. like, you were yeah. like, nah, I don't yeah. tell, yeah, you yeah, tell, yeah, you yeah. tell the story. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, we met on set and he was a camera operator and I was um, just doing a one day uh, spot for this movie. We met there and, um, he asked me out at the end of the night and, you know, I was like, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> really, it really was like that. Like, okay. Yeah. And no, it was not love at first sight. And it took me a while to get there, but that's very much the way I work. Mm. I'm not somebody who's, I, I don't fall in love quickly. Mm -hmm. I fall into lust and obsession quickly, mm. but I mean, true, you know, and that always just fizzled out and burned me alive. But with him, it wasn't like that. It was mm. very slow. And, and I th so enjoyed his company and we had fun and we laughed. But it wasn't like this obsessive thing, mm. which I had had with prior relationships. Mm. It was a slow arrival, actually, there for me. And uh, I don't know, are you wanting the whole story? Yeah, give it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think uh, for me... I fell in love with him slowly, and it took me a while to realize, you know, how amazing he was. Mm. I, I didn't know because he wasn't chaotic. He was very steady. He was just a really good man. Mm. And, you know, he would call when he called. <laughs> uh, you know, he would call when he said he would. He yeah. would always be there. Yeah. There was nothing um, turbulent. And I didn't, because there wasn't turbulence, I thought that I must not be in love. 
Because prior to that, you'd been used to turbulence yes, in your I, previous relationships. Yes, I had been used to a lot of back and forth, a sure. lot of fighting, a lot of jealousy. Sure. So you thought that's what love was. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I really did. I yeah. thought the, the drama was love. Yeah. I thought that feeling of pining and that feeling of... Torture. Torture and, and really of not being enough. Oh. It really was of, I don't feel like I'm enough, so I'm going to just constantly run after. Mm. Which also goes back to what you were saying that you you discovered in the dance class at S Factor, which is not what do you want, but what do I want? And in that lusting after someone else and thinking we're not enough, it's all about what they want. And we're just willing to throw our, I'm speaking for myself because I've done this before, throw ourselves under the bus no, at all costs. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which I is would. just, you know, very unhealthy. Yeah. And is, it actually isn't love. No, but we're taught that's what love is, I think, through movies yeah. You're and right. um, through television shows that there's conflict. And, and not that relationship doesn't have conflict, but that um, this kind of, you know, that passion looks a certain way. Yeah. Passion can't also be something. Yeah. And, and grounded. And grounded. Yeah. 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 That it's it's a volcano yeah. spewing, you know, or that we're not taught how to actually generate passion for ourselves and we're seeking the other person to create the passion, mm. you know. And so I, I was using all these external ways to create a feeling of aliveness. Mm. It was the first time in a relationship where I wasn't asking for him to create the feeling alive of aliveness. Mm. You had it in yourself. Yeah, but it confused me. I thought that I did. It took me a while to catch up and realize, oh, this is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I great. use that as a gauge now. So whenever I start to feel, I now know, oh, there's something that's not turned on in me. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeking him to turn it on for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so when you say turned on, what do you mean? For me, that means um, I go back to this word passion because mm. I, I like to feel impassioned, mm-hmm. and uh, it means feeling. I want him to give me a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. I want. Uh, um, means turned on is waking up and going. I'm excited about the day. Juicy. Yeah, it's juicy. Yeah, and that's my biggest thing is if I wake up and. I don't feel excited. It's because I haven't plugged into something. Mm. I have a lot of ways that I know. It looks like me watching TV in the middle of the day. Mm. That means I've turned off. Mm. It looks like me being on social media. You know, for me personally, um, yeah. I know I'm turned on when I don't have as much tension in my body. Mm. You know, I, when I start to feel my neck getting sore and, and it's hurting, I know, oh gosh, there's something I'm not addressing mm. there's something I'm, I'm shutting down that's so amazing that you just take ownership of that because that is incredibly rare you know it's really incredibly rare and wise of you and and mature and amazing and what a gift for your son that you're going to be passing that on to mm. him well i've been lucky to have good teachers and mentors on my path I want to kind of skip to this this year. I think it was 2015. It was a big, 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 big year for you. That was the year, I think, that you got engaged. You started your own online business, which I want to talk about. Um, 
and your father got very sick. Yeah, it was 2015 into 2016. Right, right, right. And then you got married kind of at the end of that year. I got married, and then, and then I got pregnant. Got pregnant. It, was, so it was it was a, a whirlwind. whirlwind. It was. <laughs> it was a total whirlwind. I know. I'm still kind of like... And I just, before you go into it, I watched you walk through the whole thing with immense grace. I mean, you didn't always feel great, but you just one step at a time. And, and beginning with, I think, it was sitting in this beautiful backyard... I remember being in dance class and you, you stepped out. You said, I'm sorry, guys, I have to step out. And you, Christina would never leave the dance class for any reason. You had to take a call from Brad and you'd gotten this house after you'd like, I think lost another house or, you know, they've gone through that whole process of buying a house. You got this house and it was just, it was like the, the clouds parted. Yes. Okay. So, but so, so that year, I can't remember which thing happened first. The reason getting the house, let me say, was such a huge um, blessing was because we had been living in this apartment in L.A., and um, I was in agony. Um, I remember this. I am a classic introvert, and I actually have noise sensitivity. Like mm -hmm. It's like a thing. Yeah. Um, do you know what an HSP is? No. It's a highly sensitive person. Oh, yes. I have heard of that. Yes. Um, and so noise can some, it honestly hurts my body. Yeah. Um, and when there's so much of it, I have to, it, it overstimulates me and I get really overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and so the only place I actually like sound is in the studio. Mm. It's funny. It's the only place I can tolerate that much loudness. Yeah. Um, but I had been living in an apartment where um, I was in kind of a war with my downstairs neighbor. Oh, that's the worst. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the thing with the, the communal living. And um, I had just been, and for me, my home is such a place of safety and it's where I go to really recharge. And so I think for about you know, two years, I had been living in a, a place of just feeling um, like I had nowhere safe to go. Oh we were looking for a way out of this. And so what, what began was that we went on this trip to Croatia and that's where Brad, where he proposed to me and we got back and that's when we started to look for a home and we got this home and we moved into the house in December. And I believe in February, I launched my online business either at the beginning of July or late June. My father had a, a pretty severe stroke I got married in September. Um, I went on my honeymoon. I got pregnant on my honeymoon. <laughs> wow. I'm, get, I'm tearing up just remembering all of this unfolding. It's a lot. It was. It was so much. It was like every major life event was going to happen all at one time. And your dad, I just have to say, he pushed through. Mm. And I am going to tear up again because I I was very fortunate to be at your wedding, which was one of the most beautiful weddings ever. And your dad walked you down the aisle, and it was just exquisite. Yeah, it was just exquisite. Yeah, the love coming from both of you and mm -hmm. the pride mm -hmm. pouring out of him and your mom. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah the walk of a lifetime. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we didn't know if, first of all, I was going to even have my wedding because we weren't sure if he was going to be able to come because yeah. he had lost the use of his left side of his body. 
we just didn't know and we didn't know if we had to cancel the wedding. I was not going to have it without him. That was just, there was just no way around it. There was no, no negotiating that, you know? So I think from then into September, I was just in a constant state of anxiety. Yeah. You were holding your breath that whole time. Yes. I don't think I, I I breathed. I, yeah. the, The leading up to my wedding was not the typical experience and I really tried I tried to enjoy it but it was agonizing yeah because I was just I was there thinking about my dad and And flying back and forth I remember to 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 see him yeah in in Maryland Maryland. yeah Yeah, I was trying to plan my wedding that may or may not happen but I was still planning it and then um flying back to help him and my mom and my sister yeah um but then they were all here then they were here and 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 you know, and he walked me down, and I don't think there was a dry eye. There certainly wasn't. It was pretty spectacular. It was profound. Beautiful. It was amazing. Not to mention the ceremony, and then uh, it was just, it was a very special day. I'm so grateful I was able to be here and mm-hmm. witness it. Um, so then you went on your honeymoon to Bali. We did. And I want, I just love this part of the story because I think it's so magical. Everywhere you went in Bali, you told me once you told me you were pregnant several months later, all the Balinese would, would sort of bless the b- both of you and say, we hope for you a baby. I'm messing it up, but how yeah, did yeah. it go? Well, in, in Bali, it's extremely family-oriented. Everything. Everything's about the family right. in Bali. So when we were there and... Don't mind me. I'm oh, just, I love it. Wiping my nose with my shirt because I don't have a tissue. <laughs> I'm just going to let everyone know that. Oh, yeah. there's... No. So much sniffling and crying, but now we're going to talk about the baby. So yes. Yeah. Start over. So in Balinesian, yes. In Balinese. Balinesian. Oh my God, it sounds so stupid. No, no, no. I don't actually know what it is. I don't either. (laughs) Now I have to look it up, but it certainly isn't Balinesian. (laughs) My God, Jennifer. I think it's Balinese, but we're going to look it up. Okay. Um, Anyway, in Bali, while you were there. Yes. So in Bali... Family is everything. It's mm. it's the bedrock of their culture. Their everything is family first. And so, um, when we were there, and we would tell people we're on our honeymoon, they would always be like, "Oh, that's so great. We hope you make a baby." <laughs> and what was your reaction, you and Brad? Were you kind of like, "Oh, that's sweet," but we're not really. I mean, it was. Were so- you guys officially trying to, or were you no. just? You were just. Yeah. Not at all. Right. It's the last thing from my mind. <laughs> but <laughs> was, you did want to have children. You did want to be yes, a mom. I did want to be a mom, but I was. we were planning to wait about a year sure. and just, you know, recoup our finances. Sure, sure. <laughs> just chill out for a second sure. after this, this year. Sure. Um, but I was, you know what, when they would say it to us, it was with such sweetness mm. and innocence mm. that it was so endearing. I, you couldn't help but be... Um, you know, taken by it. Sure. So every time they would say it, it was really, it was quite wonderful. And so, yeah, we would get, I mean, I must have heard it about six or seven times. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then you So came then we, home. we came home and um, that really was the plan. I was, I was, I even said to him, Brad, we are going to chill <laughs> out. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to, we, you know. Yeah. And surprise, surprise, like two weeks afterwards, <laughs> you're not going to chill out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I was so, you would have thought I was unhappy about it because mm. it was so shocking. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I knew instantly. Yeah. I knew when I, I walked into the kitchen and was like, I think I'm pregnant. And what was his reaction? Shock. Yeah. Um, and, but underneath his shock was a lot of excitement. I could see he was really excited. Yeah. And like, oh, we can make it work. We can do this. Oh. Um, and he was filming a movie at that time. And so I went to go get a pregnancy test just to confirm what I already knew. Yeah. And I took the test and, and I was indeed pregnant and I called him and he was filming a movie where he was dressed up as a woman. Oh my gosh. I never knew this yes. story. Yes. He was dressed up as a woman and he was like full on wig and everything, female clothing and makeup. And I was like, we can't do this with the phone. I have to FaceTime you. <laughs> So then he FaceTimes me and I see him and I go, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we can't FaceTime. Let's call each other back. Because <laughs> you didn't want to do it with Tootsie or Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is hysterical. Yeah. And so, so I told him while he was on set and, and, you know, we just didn't look back. I was like, okay, I guess this has been the whirlwind year, and, and it continues. You either you either go with it, yeah, you know, or you fight it. So I was going with it, yeah, yeah. I remember my my gynecologist saying to me, "You're on this train, and you're not getting off." <laughs> At some point, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I can't remember during my pregnancy, and I was like, "Wow, that's a really." amazing and scary thing yeah. to say to somebody, but you're right. You know what's funny is when I was in labor, that's what my doula said to me. Because mm. I was so scared that it wasn't really happening and I was going to stop the labor somehow. <laughs> She's like, it's safe to say that this <laughs> train is leaving. <laughs> Something like that. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. You chose to have an at-home birth. I did. You really did. wanted that. You mm -hmm. got to have it. Yes. And and what was it like? Oh, it was sublime, incredible. It was amazing, and I couldn't have asked for a better birth and mm. a better pregnancy as well. Um, I feel extremely lucky and grateful for my my birth experience, um, but it was very um, created with intention and choice. I knew I didn't want to be in a hospital. I um, had had several friends who had had an at home birth too, so it wasn't outrageous to me. It wasn't so out of the norm. I mean, it was out of the norm for everybody else I talked to about it, you know, mm. and I was kind of secretive about it because I, I just needed to create as a safe little bubble, yes. you know, for my experience. Well, and it's interesting. I'll just speak to that. It's amazing how many people with, I think, well-meaning intentions, yes. <laughs> when they, when you, they learn that you're pregnant, they want to, they want to give you their opinion. And it's not always helpful. <laughs> no, it's not. And you know, it's funny. I'm going to take it back to the S factor experience for me. This, this journey I took was learning to listen to my own voice. Mm. And it's something that I have to hold on to sometimes viciously. Yeah. Because everyone's really eager to put their voice on top of oh, you. Oh, yeah. Especially once the baby comes. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, through reading things and everything, you can start to not be able to hear yourself anymore. And so that was the reason why I didn't want to bring it up is because I really needed to have my own voice in this experience and be able to hear myself. Yes, everybody wants to tell you. And, and 
I'm not as good at keeping that boundary up of not letting mm-hmm. it. But um, I did. I had a home birth, and it was amazing. I, I'm, I'm like a big advocate for it. If you're the, you know, if you're healthy and and you're the right choice for it, yeah. you know, or if it's the right choice for you is actually yes. what I mean. Yes. Um, because I I really wanted to be able to move. I wanted to not be on a bed. I wanted to move my body and feel comfortable in my own home and be you know, have my shower, my bed, whatever I wanted to wear. I wanted to be able to eat if I wanted to eat. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times in the hospital, they don't, they don't want you to eat. Right. You know, it was just me, my husband, the two midwives, and then my doula. And it was, you know, people have such funny conceptions about birth, I think. Would you include yourself in that prior to this experience? I just didn't know. All I knew yeah. what was happened on TV. Sure. And so television is just, yeah. I, I'm, I, this is like a PSA for everybody. It's yeah. not what birth is like. Yeah. It's not at all. Yeah. And there are a spectrum of experiences. Yes. And so that's what you have to know. Yeah. Is that and every birth is so unique. Yes. You know, there's going to be someone who does have a three-day labor. Yeah. You know, and that is within the spectrum of normal. Yes. And then there's going to be somebody who has a four-hour labor. That was me. Yeah. 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 And that's the spectrum of normal. And so I think you only see on TV that it's a horrible experience. Yeah. You only see on TV that it's agonizing and awful and it happens to you. Yeah. Um, And so with my birth, I wanted to be a really active participant in it. Mm. I wanted to be part of it. I did. You know, and you just, you can't know anything about it until it happens. It all unfolds as it's unfolding. There's no, and even though you, we are told, and it's good to have a birth plan, but even that, it's like, like, like your doula said to you, you know, this train has left the station and we're on it together and it's happening and just, you know, and letting it, letting it, letting it go. And, and I remember meeting up with you after your son was born and and I said how was the birth do you mind telling me about it and you just beamed and you said in your fatigue and in the new mom and in the sleeplessness and in all of it you beamed and you said it was stunning and then you also shared with me how involved in the birth your husband was and how present he was for you and that was so beautiful and also just for me as a witness, a continuation of the relationship I've watched you both have together. And that's so beautiful. He was a rock star, I have to say. He was pretty amazing. I mean, we were lucky to have a really great, like, you know, you take the birthing classes before. And Mm. so I took it from this woman who has been doing this for 40, 50 years, these, these classes. And so she's really old school. You know, the class really, I don't know if it really taught us anything, but it was a great class because her one thing that she kept on going to, to the husbands, was your only role is to make her feel like she knows exactly what to do. Wow. That is, yes. You don't give her any advice. Don't tell her what to do. You are just there to make her feel like she knows what to do. So that advice that your the birthing teacher gave is so great for for anyone, any partner, man or woman, like just holding someone else in yeah. a partnership. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's it is actually it's profound advice for for life for your partner because I think 
that we want to just dive in and be like, well, I can tell you what to do. And and I feel that way all the time with Brad. I'm like, I can make you a step-by-step plan right now. (laughs) If you let me direct your life. I'll fix everything. (laughs) And I'll make you a bologna sandwich on the side. (laughs) But it's incredibly disempowering. Yes. And it goes back to that same thing where I'm always trying to find my own voice. Yes. I'm trying to find my true north. If someone else is always coming in for the rescue, you can't discover. So I think he really took that in. And um, he just was, to me, the picture of masculinity, Mm. of being solid, um, unwavering. Mm. um, Because I was... Um, being taken. You yeah. know, the thing about, about labor is you have to get taken. Yeah. You have to get taken by the feeling, you have to get taken by the, the surges of the contractions. And so it's, it's huge. It's emotional. It's physical. It's just the ocean crashing down. Mm. And um, if there's not something in there that's being the support, you know, then it all kind of the whole room will go crazy. But, um, you know, I had my midwives who were absolutely being that role, but there's something about your partner and your husband being that person that just makes you feel so safe. Yeah. And so that's what he was. It was, so whenever I'm I'm mad at him, I think about that moment Mm -hmm. when he just was solid. Yeah. What a beautiful foundation to bring your son into the world Mm -hmm. in that in that womb, the womb of that bond that you have. And so your son was born and you held him for the first time. And what was that like? God. You're still so close to it. It is. Well, you know. Because her son just turned one. He did. He just turned one. Um, You know, when they put him in my arms, I was, I was actually the moment before I, you know, I had him that I was most excited for because I had watched all these birthing videos and, you know, every time in the video, the baby comes out and the mom is like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, and crying and <laughs> yeah. I'm crying while watching yeah. the video. I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And then it happened and I was just stunned. Yeah. I didn't have the experience I thought I was going to have where I would just break down crying actually. And the moment was so big. I, I don't even remember having emotion. Yeah. You know, it was like, Oh oh my God, I had, I had put so much time and intention into the birth. And then all of a sudden there was There's a baby. baby. <laughs> I was like, what I've, I'm not prepared for this moment. <laughs> Love it. You know, like, I was like, shoot, this is what you should really prepare for. <laughs> So I was in shock, I think. And yeah. I I had actually never seen a baby that young before. Sure. I hadn't been around babies. So there was also the, oh my God, they look funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like not the PC answer at all. I'm supposed to be saying, oh my God, I was filled with so much love. There's no PC. It's yeah, a, it's, yeah. it's 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 C, it's correct because yeah. it's real. It's real. Yeah. Um, my son's nose was all smashed, which mine was as well. And my mom, just a quick uh, trivia, my mom had also what's called a speedster birth. Her her labor was, I think, three or four hours. And my nose was all smushed to one side. And my son's nose was too. Mm-hmm. And they pop out. Yeah, yeah. But from going through the birth canal, I guess so quickly, or I don't know, but he his face was all smooshed. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so they look funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in bliss, actually, for the first three days mm-hmm. um, because I was so proud of myself. Yeah. I was so proud of myself for doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually, he cracked my tailbone coming oh, out. That's right. Oh, I remember that. I know. So he I just. I say it like it happened to me. Well, <laughs> I just remember that's you your empathy. Me. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Thought, oh, God. So you had to probably sit on a donut I was pillow. In, or I was in could, so much pain oh. from it. Yeah. Um, well, could you sit? Could you only lay? Or? I had to be on my side. Oh. So that posed a lot of challenges, but um, I'm a really kind of grin and bear it kind of person sometimes. So I don't think I ever really acknowledged how much pain I was truly in because I was just trying to, you know, do the whole mom thing. But looking back now, I'm like, I was in so much pain. Oh, I bet. And I was just trying to not be in physical pain. Yeah. Trying so hard, you know, to not feel that. But now I'm like, God, that must have been why it was so hard. I mean, it was hard because it's hard. Yeah. I truly didn't realize that it was even harder because I couldn't. I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't put him down without it being really agonizing. It was was like I had gotten a C-section. You know, your abdomen is healing, but instead it was my tailbone. And so I couldn't breastfeed without it being comfortable. I was always kind of, yeah, I couldn't sit in the car. Oh my Without God. It, How long was it before you felt, started to feel? About six months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it takes a long time to heal. Yeah. And how is it now? It's totally fine. Okay. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. So it did heal, but. Six months though, that's, that adds a whole other layer of, and did you have any postpartum depression or anxiety or? Yeah. You know, and I still question about what that was because it was, it was, you know, not that long ago. And um, I was definitely down. And I don't know enough about postpartum depression if any kind of feeling blue and depressed is considered, is in the umbrella of postpartum depression. Mm. You know, what's funny is I don't know what's normal. Right. I don't know. Like, I'm like, well, people tell me it's normal to be sad, but how sad? Right. And if I'm happy at one moment, does that mean I'm okay? Mm-hmm. You know, because there would be days where I'm like, I'm fine. And then there would be days where I just, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely not fine. Mm-hmm. There's just an ambiguity around what the experience is. And so for me, I absolutely had moments of devastating depression, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it was it situational, you know, I was... My body was hurting, and, and he was a, a colicky boy. Mm. And, um, you know, my husband does travel for work. So he was, you know, gone for in the beginning parts for it. So I was alone. Mm. It's funny now I say it, and I'm like, well, God, if my friends had that, I'd be like, girl, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. But it's, um, but you it's just so it. hard to know. Yeah. It's so hard to know, and you're so isolated. So in those moments, those those depressed, dark moments, or those days when you said there were days when you weren't fine, what did that feel like? What what was not? What does not fine feel like? It felt like lots of crying. Mm. You know, it felt like um, loneliness, like there's nothing. Um, it felt like doubt, a lot of doubt. Yeah. It felt like I don't know what I'm doing. It felt like... You know, um, 
yeah, it felt like I'm not good enough. And did you ever at any point think I may need some outside help with this or? I did. I did think about it a lot. Um, You know, I had been in therapy in the past, so it wasn't something that was unusual for me to consider. I'm a big advocate for, you know, therapy and and, um, getting help. But uh, I don't know, there was just something where I felt so bound. Mm. And I did, you know, I reached out and I considered it and I thought about it, but I felt, God, I don't know, like immovable. Mm. Um, did it feel, and I might be imposing my own thing on this because it took me three years to get help for my postpartum, which mine rolled into just regular postpartum. It's only considered postpartum, I believe. And I can ask my gynecologist who's actually going to be coming on the show when you're breastfeeding or like in the early stages of the child's life. And, but so mine went on until he was three, but when he was little, I just, For me, and this doesn't sound like what you were going through, I was in a lot of denial that that was what was actually happening. I thought mine was situational depression. I thought mine was, I thought it was because I wasn't doing it right, which is part of the postpartum depression I now know. But so, and I also, to speak to what you just said of feeling bound and feeling immovable, I just couldn't add another thing to my plate. I just couldn't add another. Well, I think for me, a lot of it was around perfectionism. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, God, that... Oh, that rings, resonates for me. I get that. Yeah, around, um, I should be able to do this. Yeah. I should be able to soothe my baby. I should, you know, I should just know how to do this. Oh. As if there's some magical thing that happens after you give birth. Boom, you're a mom, like the ones on television from the 50s who just yeah. <laughs> were able to do it. You know, this image, in, and, and I know, like, I, I can consciously know that's ridiculous, yeah. but it's so woven into my psyche yes. that I still want to be that. Yeah. I still want to be that perfect mom yeah. who um, can do it all. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it was around um, maintaining my own image of perfection. And so I, asking for help would would be surrendering to that, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so that's what a lot of it, it felt like to me. And so then, because now your son is one and you're still in the thick of it. Are you, are you still breastfeeding? I or, am. Yeah, I yeah. am. So how are you feeling now? How is the emotion? How is the, if there's anxiety? Or- yeah, it's definitely better. Yeah. Like profoundly better, and it and and it's still hard. Yeah, it's still so hard, and um, but it's nothing like that newborn phase. Yeah. That newborn phase is nothing I ever want to do again. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not saying I don't want more children, but you know, I was at the store and I saw something for a newborn baby, like you know, I don't know, like a swaddler type of thing, and, I was, and inside my head I thought, thank God. <laughs> That's yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I only have one child, but I, I have heard just to, um, that the second one is so much easier yeah. because you already have this experience. I bet. I, I, and I, I believe that because I think what is the challenge is your own doubt and your own mind. 
going, I don't know, am I doing this? Oh gosh, do I? Yeah. And then you learn, oh God, they're just babies. They're just a freaking mystery and they're complicated and they cry and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But it's impossible to know that on your first. It really is. Yeah. It's impossible. Nothing can prepare you. No, no books. I read every book there was. I read every book there was on sleep training Mm. because I thought if I knew about sleep training and he slept fine, like he really did. <laughs> but if I knew about sleep training the right way, then it would solve every problem there was yeah, that I yes. had. Or that, I was just like, oh, but I was, yeah, I, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so just, wow. And I'm nine years out from it. And it's just still is so fresh yeah. in my mind of how hard it was. Well, you know, I think about that. And something that I, I, I would have really liked is the space and permission to be a first-time mom. And so, you know, a lot of, again, well-meaning and well-intentioned people say stuff. And like we say, there's no way to avoid those feelings of being a first-time mom. I think we can help each other. We can prepare. We can have things like this where we talk about our experiences. I think saying to a mom, it's okay. It's okay if you feel like you've got to get it right. Go ahead. Try to get it right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I really don't think you can stop her. No. From trying to do no. that. So all you can do is continually be there yeah. and support her and show up for her and not yeah. leave her. You know? It um, goes back to what your your birthing teacher said. Yeah. You make her feel like she knows. Yeah. And that's that's really what she needs. Yeah. It's because there's there's just a cacophony. Yeah. Cacophony? Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it on the second take, Christina Grants. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish that. You get comments like, oh, you're not going to do that the second time around. And you're like, that's not helpful. It's actually really rude. (laughs) You know? Do what the second time around? Like anything. It's like, oh, you won't worry about that so much. Like, or like the sterilizing of the bottles or things like that, you know, and and being insane about the germs and, and, you know, and, and you know what? I probably won't. I probably won't, you know, but someone said to me something like, cause people would ask me when my son was like six months old, you can have another one. You can have another one. And they said to me, don't, don't listen to those people. That's like them. You're in the middle of a five-star meal at a five-star restaurant. And they come up to you and ask you, are you ready for your next meal? Are you ready? Finish that one up. Finish, finish it. Eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. <laughs> and I was like, that's so true. Like, let me be in this. Yeah. I'm still in the middle of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it is, it's so funny. So I want to just also jump. Um, oh my God, our time has flown. I just could talk mm. to you for hours. Oh, well, let's do it. So, He's sleeping. I love it. Thank you, King. I call her son a king because he is, the moment I met him, I said, oh, he's a king. He is a king. He's not a prince. He's a king. He's a king. I want to jump to your your online business because I think it's so cool how you arrived at it. So this was before you even got pregnant, you launched this. So can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to do it, what it is, what you, what inspired you to do it? Well, I have a business, um, a lingerie company called Serpent Lane, and it's an online boutique. And Where's, What's the website? We'll mention it again at the end. Yeah. But. The website is serpentlane.com. Dot com, okay. yes. And um, I started it because part of the journey at the studio that I teach at is that we dress up 
and we wear clothing that makes us feel good and that um, excites us. And um, so, you know, a lot of times people will wear, you know, like a sexy, you know, shirt or a sexy bra, whatever it is. And so it was kind of a natural expanding of what I do because I wanted to create something for women where they could shop for that stuff and not feel sleazy doing it or, you know, um, cause a lot of times you might go to one of those sites and, and you don't feel connected to the models on there or you feel like they, they feel different from you, you know? And so I wanted to create something that was more inclusive and that was, simultaneously exciting mm -hmm. as well as safe, mm. which is um, a funny dichotomy. So that's what I did. I, I created a, a place for women to shop for lingerie that was um, exciting and had naughty clothing, you know, and because the site is mostly, you know, I would say a heightened state of lingerie. It's not like the bra you wear under your shirt, yeah. although you can. Yeah. Um, and certainly I do. Yes. But uh, it's not like a t-shirt bra that leaves no lines. Right. This leaves lines. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And there's a lot of, I, I've done a lot of shopping on this site. I, ha I can't recommend it highly enough. And I have many, many pairs. I can't believe I'm going to reveal this on my podcast. But I have many pair of crotchless panties. <laughs> I'm not wearing any now. But I might be the next time you see me. Okay. And you won't know it, mm -hmm. but I will. I don't know. We might know now. <laughs> <laughs> but you and I had a conversation about this one time. And in fact, it was when you were pregnant. Yeah. And we talked about what that does for you, for, for one, for someone, you know, wearing crotchless panties or something like that. Some yeah. kind of clothing that's along the line, some kind of lingerie that is, that is, that is a little naughty yeah. that's underneath their day-to-day -day clothes yeah. and what that does for them. And that circles back to what you're saying of nurturing this sort of inner sexiness that mm -hmm. comes from what you personally, from what each individual feels is, is sexy or makes them feel sexy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I think that the idea of wearing a, a panty that you have no intention of anybody ever seeing. Yep. It's just for you. Yeah, it's completely for you. Yeah. And, and what does that do for you? Yeah. And, I, you know, if it doesn't do anything for you, then I'd say you haven't found the right panty. Right. Keep looking. <laughs> then you keep looking. And don't wear jeans, though, with the yeah, crotchless yeah, no, panties. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. It's got to be a skirt or soft cotton pants. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'll have an online PDF of a list of clothing that you can yeah, wear. Yeah, yeah. Crotchless I don't panties know. With. Maybe somebody would like that. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Excuse me. <laughs> I should let them find. Yes, yes, yes. Pleasure. Let them, to them find their own voice. That's right. <laughs> Within their vagina. <laughs> with that, I am going to. It's time. Okay. To ask you the three questions that I ask mm -hmm. every guest. The first question, Christina Grants, is, "What do you think about?" When you hear the word MILF. Jennifer Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is something you've changed your mind about recently? Well, you know, actually, I was just kind of going through, just seeing what, what sparked first in my mind. You know, I wasn't, because there was nothing, but I think I've changed my mind about what a mom looks like. 
Because mm. um, I was definitely someone who I think maybe didn't have as much respect for it. I was part of the matrix, mm. is what I call it, you know, mm. and not seeing this um, this invisible job. Yeah. What a great, I've never heard it described like that. That's. Yeah. It's invisible. Yeah. You know, and we, we pay a lot of homage in a way through lip service, but it's not real. Yeah. It's not this real respect. And so I have um, changed my point of view and, and I have such deep respect. I mean, the world would be in shambles. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. How do you define success? Success is honoring the call of your wild heart. Okay, so now we're going to go to our lightning round questions. Just They're just quick little throwaways. You just answer the first thing that comes to you. Beach or desert? Beach. Netflix binge or a fresh novel? Oh, I feel bad, but Netflix binge. <laughs> go to the movies or go to a play? Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Nighttime. Texting or talking? Talking. Cat person or dog person? Both. Massage or yoga? Oh, massage. Shower or bathtub? Shower. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at making lasagna? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) If you could push a button and have perfect skin for the rest of your life, but it would also give you incurable halitosis for the rest of your life, would you push it? Oh, God, no. Superpower choice. There's three. Invisibility, ability to fly, or super strength? Super strength. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is (laughs) or a third eye? Oh, my God. If you could see my face. face. (laughs) It's shock coupled with disgust coupled with awe. Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to explain this one because a part of me is like, well, it'd be kind of interesting to see what it would feel like to have a penis since mm-hmm. I don't have one. I could, you know, mm-hmm. be in their experience. Mm-hmm. But then you say third eye, and I just think you mean like a third eye, like... A literal third eye. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm taking it like the spiritual okay, third then, eye. Okay, you, you make it mean what you want. Okay, so I'm going to take a spiritual third eye. Got it, spiritual third eye. I love it. I love how you transformed that. <laughs> What was the name of your first pet? You know, I never had a pet. I had a goldfish for one day that I won and then killed, you know. <laughs> How did you kill it? I didn't know. I don't think my family knew that you had to have, like, air in the tank, you know? Like, we just put them in water. Right. So I think we suffocated it, right? <laughs> don't they need, like, the, the bubbles? <laughs> what, what was this poor son of a bitch's name? <laughs> I don't remember, but it was the name of the street that we, we, I won the fish. So I think it was something like St. John or that. Okay. And what was the name of the street you grew up on? Greens Point. So your porn name is St. John Greens Point. Oh God. It's an awful, <laughs> awful porn name. I don't want to watch that porn. It's not very <laughs> Nobody, I'm, I'm not a successful porn star. <laughs> Christina Grants, you are a goddess and just a gift to 
momhood. Mm. And to us all, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Head on over to milfpodcast.com. Give us your email so we can keep you apprised of all things Milfy. And also, you can get show notes, transcripts of each show, and tweetable quotes if something resonated with you and you want to tweet it. Thanks so much for listening.